And if you are making an offer and they do say yes, just make sure you're using your paperwork or our paperwork specifically. If you're using uh, state contracts or real estate agent issued contracts, they're designed to protect the agent and the broker and the seller, not the buyer in most cases. Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life. Hey everyone, welcome to hopefully another super exciting podcast. Today we're going to tackle what happens when you make offers that are too high or get accepted too quickly, which is a problem that I see in beginners and even intermediates and sometimes even advanced folks uh, make an offer and they get accepted very quickly or on the first shot, which can be devastating uh, for a lot of reasons, which we'll explain. Many people want to make offers that get accepted. And if you really want to buy real estate at the right price, you always have to get them rejected. And there's a myriad of reasons for that, which we're going to discuss today. Very important topic. And of course, I'm joined with my two brothers from another mother, Frank Galluccio out of Toronto and uh, Gabriel Araish out of Montreal. And we will discuss today what we see happen as we uh, help our followers tackle these issues and why psychologically it's terrible for you to have an offer that's accepted right away and how we can remedy those things. But first, let's get into the crux of the problem, which, of course, is making offers that get um, accepted and accepted very quickly. So, uh, Frank, I don't know if you want to get started, but I'm nominating you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, you know what? This is a common problem or a common thread with just human nature in general. It's been given to us by our parents. So let's blame our parents on our upbringings. It's we're used to, uh, yes, when we're buying anything. And again, it doesn't have to be even real estate. It can be anything. When you're buying something, you're looking to get a yes because you want that item. And the problem with that is the person saying yes so when you when you agree on the price, so if I'm selling something for whatever hundred thousand, if it's a house, or if I'm even if I'm selling a little water bottle, whatever the case is, and the buyer comes and says I'll give you X amount, and I say yes, and I'm like damn, I'm gonna have that buyer's remorse as a buyer. I'm gonna be start thinking in my head like maybe I should have asked for more, maybe I could have got more. But you know what? I kind of did a favor now to Frank, so you know what? I'm gonna play by my rules. So what's gonna happen is if you come to a yes immediately, you're gonna have that seller's remorse, and you're gonna have problems going down the road where the the seller is gonna dictate the terms. The seller is gonna say because they're not upset, they still feel that they could have got more. So because of that, they're gonna give you a little bit more of a um, not a harder time, but they're gonna dictate what needs to be done, what terms. Are they're saying, you know what, you need 15 days or 30 days due diligence. We're only going to give you 15 or, or five, or you got to come and see it before, or things like that. So we're just wired that way. We got to detach that wire um, to start the game in general by getting a no first. And without getting that, you know what, the train's going to just derail, uh, in my opinion. And we had many examples. We were just discussing this moments ago where a student you know did make an offer she thought she made a low enough offer but guess what it got accepted and because of that that seller is now calling the shots which is making it um you know more difficult for the buyer that student to uh, you know get to the closing table and it may not even get to the closing table just because they got that yes right away Yeah, the seller wants this, they want that. They have the illusion of control, although the person who has the gold should make the rules. But when you get to a yes too quickly, it really puts a lot of power into the the seller's hands. And I've asked this question before, do you, who as a buyer, do you want to have, who should have the control 
if you are the buyer? Should it be the seller calling all the shots or should it be you as the buyer calling all the shots? And it's gonna be very difficult for you to call the shots, I want this, I want this, I want that, if you've said yes or they've said yes very quickly. Uh, Gabe, I don't know if you wanna to add to that. No, I think it's pretty clear here that we, the offer in itself is a mix of things, right? Because there's the number, but there's also the terms. And it's it's like a negotiation within a negotiation within a negotiation, right? And you have to think about that before you do or make the first step, which is the offer here. So an offer that's a low, it's got to be extremely low, but it's got to be matched with terms that are maybe more attractive to the seller. And I think that at the end of the day, maybe that's what was probably wrongly done at that, at that point where the number was not scary enough for the seller. And most people are afraid of making that scary number. I mean, I know that when I make offers and, and I'm a little bit guilty of doing this even on personal property, right? Like if I'm making an offer for a home I want to live in, I'm also going to come down extremely low and I'm actually get yelled at by realtors, by, you know, everyone, including my wife. And the point is that I'm, I'm trying to get that no because I'm working on getting terms as well before we even finish talking about the numbers. So there's a lot to think about here. It's not that complex, but it's gotta be structured the right way and planned correctly. Now you gotta look at it from two sides though. So what happens if you do make, okay, let's just say you do make your, your low offer and it is accepted. So there's two sides to the coin. One of them, if it, if it was truly a low offer to get a no, so you, you strategically, and again, we, we have a strategic matrix on how to make offers, uh, that just not a number thrown out, but you make your low offer anticipating a no, and the seller comes back and says yes, and you go, shit, now what? So right away, my sense is if I, that happens, and that happens, you know, a few times, red flags go up for me. Red flags go up is like, what the heck's wrong with this property? What is this guy or this gal not telling me about it? So what do you do in that situation? 100%. So first of all, when we make an offer, it's not going to be on a contract. It's going to be usually on a, either an LOI or an email or verbally. So if they were to accept it, it's very easy then to ask for a series of things to support that number, which we've done many times. We don't make offers on contracts, which many people do. So let's get into some, perhaps some differences if they're doing real estate their traditional way, which is, hey, you wanna make an offer on the property, you're gonna attach a, you know, earnest money deposit with this offer, this contract that is a state issued contract or a provincial contract or wherever you live. It's, you know, whatever board of real estate agents that the contract they use, which has language in it for specific performance, which means that if you make this offer and you don't follow through with it, they can sue you, take all your assets and you're, you're homeless for the rest of your life and you get divorced and you're sucking your thumb, rocking back and forth, staring at your mittens, what the hell happened with your life? No one's ever going to sign a contract now from that story. <laughs> well, it's kind of how it works, right? So people are very scared to make an offer and they hope it gets accepted and they usually have their ducks in a row prior to that, where in my system and what I've been doing for 21 years and empowering people to do is make extremely low offers to like 100 times a day. You're making 100 offers a day that are very low, uh, that are framed properly, meaning we're, you know, I know this is low, you're not going to like it. There's a very specific uh, number that we use based on a matrix, and there's a formula to that. And if ever you want to get educated on how to do that, just email us and uh, we'll help you. Marco at marcokozlowski.com. Put you into training to show you exactly how to do that. But you go into that matrix and it should be low enough where they say yes. And we have a very high earnest money deposit because we're expecting them to say no and a very short closing period, right? Which is what Gabe was saying earlier. And it's supposed to be a no. Right. But if they say yes, there's usually a problem with a property or they're lying with their numbers. Right. There's something else that's going to go wrong. And because it's not on the contract, 
Now we have all sorts of options and terms where we can say, hey, wait a second. Uh, okay, great. I'm going to need this. I'm going to need that. I'm going to need, uh, you know, some sort of verification of numbers to substantiate your asking price versus the revenue that you reported or the values that you reported. So we can really double check this before we go to a contract phase, right? So just because they say yes, you can still sheepishly walk back and we call it leaving the store where, hey, we're, you know, we're happy to move forward with this. Great. But now we are going to need X, Y, and Z or X, Y, and Z if you're in Canada or Australia or anywhere else in the world. We're going to need these items before we move to contract. So you're still getting back that control. Yeah, well, due diligence is always part of the process. And I think as a seller, you can present it in a way like, well, you didn't think we were just going to buy this without seeing it or without you know doing our homework, right? So, and, and all sellers understand that you have to do some sort of verification before you buy something. So yeah, that's a great way to plug that in and it potentially buy yourself a little bit more time. Yeah, so I just wanted to add what Marco, what you were saying. Yes, we're going to ask for information, uh, but at the same time, if you do have a contract tied up, like you said, you're more like a, a shoot than aim. So let's do it. We have a low offer with uh, fantastic terms. If they do happen to accept it, yes, you can ask for additional information. Yes, and if it's a really great deal, tie it up and then ask for all that information and then figure out where the chips fall and say, hey, man, you didn't disclose this. You didn't disclose that. Still want to close on this but not at that price. And then you renegotiate the price, do an addendum and so forth. Right. Uh, that's another way around it too. And if you are making an offer and they do say yes, just make sure you're using your paperwork or our paperwork specifically. If you're using uh, state contracts or real estate agent issued contracts, they're designed to protect the agent and the broker and the seller, not the buyer in most cases. So make sure you're using the right paperwork that allows you to delay that large earnest money deposit. Uh, I think in Andrea's case, where she did make a very low offer and she put a $10,000 EMD on a like a $68,000 property. It's worth about 200. She made a very low offer of I think 68 and change and they t they took it and were like scratching her heads going, "Why would they even take that? Doesn't make any sense." But uh they did. So now they're demanding their contract, their terms, their this, their that and it's your money, your rules. I'd be thrilled to use your contract if we use your money to buy it. That's a very easy way and a non-confrontational way to um, verbal judo, basically loving to do whatever they ask. I'd love to do the dishes, but you were supposed to take out the garbage. So as soon as you take out the garbage, I'll be delighted to do the dishes. So it's it's not pushing back in a way that's confrontational, but it's pulling versus pushing. I would absolutely love to use your contract if we're using your money, but since we're using my money, I need to use my agreement. And if they don't agree with that, say, well, I guess we're not going to buy it. And you have to be okay with not buying something if they're not going by your terms. It has to, you have to be okay with protecting yourself and saying no. That is a big one because so many people are married to the deal and not the process that they sabotage themselves along the way. I don't know if you guys want to add to that. No, but I was going to say that you're absolutely right. And I was going to actually add that as soon as you said it, you have to be comfortable every single time to leave the store or what we call leave the store and leaving the deal there is has to be part of your process where it's okay it's actually i you know if you go in expecting to always not have this deal that's probably the best way to come in and you'll be making the your best decisions because you're using your head and not your heart yeah and that's most people's kryptonite basically it's a weakness and you know what uh, maybe it's a north american thing i don't know but uh, you go in parts of europe uh, their retail stores, they're always negotiating. So they go into their version of their Walmart and they say, you know, I'll give you $10 for these slippers, these wooden slippers. They go, no, no, it's whatever. And they, they, they're ready to leave the store. They leave the mercato. Uh, in other words, they leave the marketplace and then the guy's chasing them with the sandals. He's like, okay, I'll take seven for them. He's like, no, forget about it. 
right? And then they come back and then they agree to like five bucks or something like that. But it's a culture thing. It's again, something ingrained that we're wired that way, whether we're too polite to give a low offer to get that no, but it's definitely a mind shift, uh, the way you think of things when you're making offers on, especially on properties, it's real estate. It's a big investment you're doing. Again, you're not using your own money, but you still have that fiduciary responsibility to take care of it. And uh, Well, you yeah, can never get, sorry to interrupt you, Frank, you yeah. can never get the money unless you negotiated a better price anyway, where you could get the money, but you'll have to bring money to the table. The only way we're able to use asset-based lenders to not use any of our money to buy anything is because we're buying it at under 70% of its value. So there's no way you're going to buy something at under 70% of its value just by making offers that are full price offers. We take properties that are at value or just slightly below value or even sometimes above you know, they're asking 20, 30% above market price and we still get them down over time through process to 70% of value or under. Like there's a lot of ways to do that. And if you want to never use your own money, then you have to learn how to negotiate in a way where it's not offensive. Because sure, you can make low offers, but you're gonna piss off a lot of people if it's not done in the right way. You don't have to say it in a way where it's gonna be offensive or hurtful, as long as they understand why you're making a low offer and it's quick and it's going to be low number, but great terms favorable to the seller. So the agent gets paid or the seller's getting paid quicker. You know, you can start that conversation. But coming back to if an offer is accepted and it is low, well, A, did you offer too much? Which could happen. Usually so, the case. Usually the case. Most people start, as you said, Frank, it's definitely a North American cultural thing. Most North Americans like to start where we end up, like we start negotiating very close to where we want to end. Very, very close. And like in certain parts of California, when you're in the real estate business, I find it very difficult sometimes dealing with someone that's been doing real estate in California for years where they see it on the market for a million dollars or $2 million or $3 million and say, let's start at 3.1. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. You want a million? I'll give you two million. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's how it's done and in, in where I'm come from. I'm like, well, how are you ever going to buy it for less if you offer more than, I don't, that doesn't make any sense. That's just the economic culture there for real estate because there's such a demand that you have to offer more than it's listed or you won't get the property. In which case I don't even want the property because it won't cash flow like I want it to. Um, so anywho, going off on a tangent here. So what are the take homes here? If you are making offers, uh, A, you're probably offering too much. And if you are offering something very low, what are the remedies? Start with Gabe and then Frank can wrap it up. Well, if, if you offer too low and it gets accepted, then you're going to have to start. Well, you can do two things. You can either, you know, get into contract as long as you're using your contract. That's the most important part here is get into your contract because you're using your money, not their money. So that's first step. And secondly is you're going to have to add that due diligence period. So strategically, when you're making your offer, you're not going to include a specific due diligence period in there. You're going to specify a closing or a number of days of closing. So you're going to have to make sure that there's a due diligence period in there, which is totally natural. That's what you need. So by inserting that due diligence period in there, that's going to buy you one extra time. And two, it might actually you know, create another negotiation where you'll be able to reduce the price for a shortened DD period. So are we discussing the remedies if I offer too low and it's accepted? Yes. So Gabe, yes, you can definitely tie it up and then ask for due diligence to check out, you know, if they're BSing you. And if it is a high cap rate or a high uh, amount, then yes, most likely they're withholding information that you need. You know what? Yeah, I would either tie it up and then see where the chips fall. Or you know what? You can still walk away and say, shit, you know what? I'm not ready for this. You can come back and say, you know what? Uh, we found something much better. 
much better with greater returns. Uh, listen, sorry about that. If you want it to come a little bit lower, maybe we'll uh, we'll pick up, we'll scoop up yours too. You you could do that, but you'll be maybe perceived as a you know an a hole. But or or time waster or tire kicker or, or tire yeah, kicker. Depending who you're talking to, and you don't want to ruin those relationships especially with the agents. So uh, the best thing is you know what, swallow it, and yes, push back with saying, hey, you know, want to use our money? What Marco said, it's going to be our paperwork, and I just tie it up and go from there. And if, if it does check out and you don't have the money or it's perhaps it's in a market where the cap rate is where the, the returns are very low and you just happen to luck out on someone that actually wants to sell quickly, wholesale it. Just sell the paper to someone that has the money, has the ability to close, make a few bucks on it, move on to the next one. Um, you don't have to necessarily buy it yourself. Our intention is never to wholesale. We're not wholesalers. I actually don't teach wholesaling really, maybe 10 minutes of my whole my whole process is about wholesaling. There's tons of content on YouTube and there's tons of people that, you know, that want to teach wholesaling. I'm just not interested in that. I really want to buy and hold and I want others to buy and hold as well. But it's definitely a strategy. If you get it, you don't know what to do with it. You're too scared of it. Sell the paper. I mean, you're selling the contract to someone that wants to buy it and you can make 10, 20, even hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on how big the deal is. Gabe? Yeah, I was just going to add that it's, it's not really a strategy in and of itself. It's more of an exit strategy should you need one and that's how we operate with wholesaling like I, some people out there just are strictly wholesalers where they do this as a full-time job and that's their only strategy they'll buy and hold nothing but it's part of our process at the end it's, it's either we buy it or we wholesale it i mean if the returns make sense we'll buy it if not then we can wholesale it to someone who feels the returns are good enough for their money or even wholesale it which we could talk about on another uh, on another episode so there you have it. So if you're making offers that are getting accepted, you're probably offering too much. And if you happen to luck out and it is, you know, a great opportunity, tie it up as quickly as possible using the right paperwork. Make sure you have language in there that's going to protect you for due diligence to check it out, to make sure you're not buying something or committing to something that's going to be a train wreck or not even there or not possible. You know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. So it's possible that you make this weird offer and it just happens to stick to the wall. Just have fun with it. And again, be married to process, divorce from results, and enjoy it. And just enjoy the process every step of the way. And of course, the more you learn about this, the more you're going to earn, the less scared you're going to be, and the more options you're going to have. And one of the reasons, of course, that the three of us do this podcast is to empower you, the listener, to have all the tools necessary uh, to a certain point, uh, based on the, the platform that this is, to really understand that passive income in real estate is not only possible, but it's it's doable for you. And you just have to take action, learn what you have to learn so you can earn what you have to earn and really build wealth for you and your family for the rest of your life. And we certainly do appreciate you not only commenting on these podcasts, but also sharing this with your, uh, your friends, your family, and uh, really helping others achieve wealth because just our success doesn't stop your success and your success certainly won't stop others from being successful as well, specifically in this interesting economic climate. So thank you so much. Appreciate you both and tune in for our next podcast, which hopefully will teach you lots and lots more. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for life starts by finding deals, and it's easier than you think. Simply go to GetDealsByTuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, 
This course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to GetDealsByTuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.